to some extent, you know, there's a lot of things on our farms that a larger, more modern farm would find ridiculous. You know, some of the ways of hand weeding and, and we're working on our processes to, uh, to start to automate some things that aren't as feasible. Some of those little things like just weeding and manually planting, I honestly think a lot of people in the world would probably be able to manage their mental health a little better if they had the chance to put a time, you know, time aside for some of these things. Hi, I'm Cassandra Huff. Welcome to Farmers Talk Mental Health. This series of podcasts focuses on the stresses farmers face that affect their well-being and personal stories of mental health. It looks at the help they sought and the strategies they used to maintain their mental health. The podcasts are developed for the National Enterprise for Rural Community Wellbeing at the University of South Australia, directed by Leah Bright. If you think that you or someone in your family or community might benefit from support for mental health and wellbeing, please contact Men's Line on 1300 789 978, Lifeline on 13 11 14, or the Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467. Hi, I'm Cassandra Huff, and this is Farmers Talk Mental Health. Jordan Collin is a market gardener near Bendigo. He and his wife, Emma, run their farm together. And in the past 12 months, they've faced a range of challenges together. To find out more, I'm joined by Jordan. Hi. Hey, Cass. How's it going? I'm well, thanks. So uh, you're joining us from your farm near Bendigo. What do you farm? Uh, so we're a market garden. We grow annually probably about 50, 60 different crops. A lot of just the standard supermarket style veg just what people will buy at a market, providing stores and restaurants, that type of thing. And you aren't organic as such, but you have certain philosophies behind your farming. What are they? Yeah, so uh, we do use what would be called organic practices. We're regenerative. Uh, so essentially, we're just trying to create a closed loop, sustainable system, really working on soil biology, so the life in the soil and how we can use microbial and fungal life to support those systems, increase our yields and our soil's capacity to hold water and just grow things. Yeah, so it's really, it's just about kind of working with nature. We don't really use any kind of chemical inputs or anything. And Did you come from a farming background? Not really. So my grandparents were farmers uh, and so were my wife, Emma's grandparents. But then it kind of skipped a generation. Our parents weren't. Uh, but then we actually got into farming again through woofing because Emma is from France. We had to do like three months on just a regional organic farm in Australia as part of the initiative back in the day to get her second year visa here. So we did that and we kind of just loved it. We worked on an organic uh, avocado farm and just general cropping and an essential oils farm too. And it, it was awesome. We just kind of thought, yeah, we, we want to own a farm. That's wonderful. And so how did that inform your, your choices to become regenerative farming? Like, What was it about regenerative farming that, that held your interest? I guess, you know, a lot of people study agriculture, you know, through universities or TAFEs or through their family and they just kind of get into it the way uh, things are being done. And because we just kind of got into it through the organic farming side, I guess I should also say my, my pop, he was uh, my grandpa. He was a, um, a conventional farmer. He did like sheep, wool, cattle, cropping, everything. And he actually got 
poisoning from a tree killer uh, that he was using. He used a lot of agricultural chemicals back in the day. And this is a common story for a lot of older farmers. Um, I've met a lot of died from lung cancer. Yeah, it, to be honest, I've I've heard and seen enough horror stories from what some of these chemicals can do to farmers. And in a lot of ways, it's safer now. And in a lot of ways, there's still a lot of lies going on, you know, where things are being marketed in one country, banned in all sorts of others. And I, I don't really believe in the safety for the consumer or for the farmer. So I, I guess that really started me off when I was younger, starting to think about organic food and just go, well, yeah, you know, what are we putting in this? And how does it affect the farmers? How does it affect our environment? But then definitely we just got into it through that organic farming side again. So it just led me there. And I thought, well, this is the way to do it. Like if I can get better yields um, and do something better for the environment in the long term, it does take more work up front. But yeah, it's just a great system to me. It works, you know. You mentioned your wife there. How do you work in partnership with her? Uh, yeah, so we really kind of just built it and did everything together. Like it's never kind of been one of us just wanting to do something. I think we both really just clicked and thought this is what we want to do. Um, and I was the one who kind of started reading about small farming and said, hey, maybe we should really do it. Yeah, it's it's just been both of us, you know, from day one kind of out in the field from shoveling everything by hand to building the business. So yeah, we're around each other 24 hours a day pretty much, which is good. We're, we've been married for like six years now, I think. Still going. We love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no problems. I, yeah. It can put a lot of pressure on a relationship, though. Have you found that? Yeah, I mean, like, it can. I um, mean, when I say it, it's all good now, it's, it is hard when you've got to work together and be together. And certainly in the early stages of our business, and there was a lot of stress and a lot of kind of those days of just yelling at each other just because we're stressed out. I'm <laughs> like, not really anything more, but you do kind of, you get used to it. I guess it forces you to work on your communication and some people make it, some people don't, I guess. But I think for most farmers, because this is just a reality of our lives, we really do work on communication a bit more maybe and just start to adjust to this way of life, which is probably so common a long time ago and certainly for our grandparents, but isn't really now. We're all kind of like off doing our own things and we see each other at mealtimes. So, yeah. And the importance of that relationship, I think, came to the fore for you a couple of months ago. What happened? Yeah, so Emma was at a farmer's market, at the Bendigo farmer's market in March, and she fainted from standing. Um, we don't fully understand the cause yet, but it seemed like maybe she was just setting up really fast. You know, you're putting up this market stall in a hurry, uh, and then you have this sudden downtime afterwards, so a bit of a drop in blood pressure. And so she fainted and she broke her jaw in four places and it pretty much a nightmare ensued from there where the ambulance didn't come and then the hospital was great, but there was some problems and it was an ordeal. Um, work cover didn't end up paying out. They kind of made some claims, but I won't get into that. At any rate, it's been quite a difficult few months where we, we nearly lost our farm. We had to close it down for three months. And we're kind of just getting opening up back now. I had to take on a lot of outside work doing my side hustle web design. And it's been a really long, hard recovery period for Emma where she's really wanted to go at it. But yeah, it's just been a huge period of healing where she could have come out with a lot of lasting injuries, but she's done really well and healed up now mostly. So yeah, it's um, been hard, but we got through. Um, 
I'm glad to hear she's she's on the mend. How much pressure though did that that put on you? Like, how did you feel? Yeah, I mean, like the first few days, I I barely slept for maybe a week, um, and it happened at a time when we were already really busy, really overwhelmed, and. I guess, you know, things were just a mess. All the little things of life weren't done and we were behind on the farm and it just spiraled out of control really quickly um, to the point where I just felt like I was in this kind of nightmare wheel that I couldn't get off. And Emma just obviously so unwell. Yeah, it, it was it was really, really bad for a couple of weeks. And then it kind of, we thought we were out of it, but it was kind of just out of the frying pan into the fire with um, the whole work safe ordeal where they just... It caused us a lot of issues and that's still ongoing. So Emma wasn't a resident at the time, so she didn't have any kind of Medicare. Pretty much there, there was a lot of stuff left uncovered and a lot of things that came out of pocket for us when we really couldn't afford it. Yeah, it got, it got to that point where we were kind of ticking past the farm loan day and just thinking, wow, you know, this is, this is actually really bad. Um, and then we remained positive about it for a while and me and the employees kind of like, banded together and tried to get the farm running and we kept making sales and things seemed okay, but we kind of got to winter and we realized we've just, it happened in March. That's when we needed to be planting. Things really started to spiral out of control, but we've kind of, yeah, we've had to work on it and a lot of other issues and everything that's kind of come up when you have an accident of this magnitude. And uh, I guess I suffered from post-traumatic stress afterwards and was, yeah, a bit of a mess for a few months. So how did you cope? Um, I just didn't really. I, I like to some extent, I just had a lot of support from family, friends, the market community. Like we really had an outpouring. I mean, when we, when I closed the farm down and I posted up on Facebook, like I'm going to have to, you know, do some other work for a few months. And I had, a, I think, 14 job offers like the next day from just other business owners who follow our farm. And yeah, got a lot of web design work just from word of mouth. Haven't had to advertise too much, um, which is yeah, it's it's saved us and, and got us through. So, How are things yeah. looking now? Are you back seeding? Yeah, yeah, we're back seeding. Um, yeah, we've got a few plots planted out and we're just kind of waiting maybe another month for our spring crops to come on. So, yeah, this is the last haul for us. I think the darkest days are done. You know, it, it kind of peaked with that middle of winter and all the lockdowns and <laughs> it's getting better now. Yeah, I think we're we're going to be fine and our farm will be bigger than ever in, you know, a couple months. But how is your wife? How is her recovery going? Yeah, she's doing really well. She's um like she's pretty much back at it as normal now. A little bit jaded for the experience and certainly hoping she gets some justice with uh some of the the ways the system's dealt with her, but yeah, her residency's come through now. She's healing up really well and the last of the work's coming up, so she's in a good mood about it. That's good to hear. And from the struggles that you went through, what sort of support were you able to access? I guess for the most part, it was just that old fashioned, you know, the community rally rounds and rallies around and helps you, you know, from little things of like my nan giving us a little bit of support when we were first paying all these medical bills and just didn't have the money there from, yeah, just other family coming in, offering to help and just doing little things. Uh, little things, being able to use a bath because we don't have one down the road at my brother's place. The market committee coming in and yeah, running our stall a few times. To be honest, from the government side of things, I don't feel we got a lot of support and a lot of people are going through hard stuff 
right now. So I don't want to sound too whingy, but um, the processes weren't well dealt with. And at some point there, we felt like we were in extreme poverty and didn't have any kind of support from the system. I felt that they left her by the wayside and she could have ended up with permanent injuries. And there was still no support forthcoming from work cover or the government. What did you learn about her importance to your operation when she wasn't available for those months? It just doesn't run. <laughs> it's not, it's definitely not a one person job. And as much as I'm kind of the planner and the one who likes to start things and I guess the organized one to some extent, Emma's the one who makes sure everything runs day to day. She does a lot of all the nursery planting, manages a lot of the planting, even just the day-to-day things like looking out for pests. I don't even know what they look like, to be honest. I'm not the one to identify them. So it was just problematic. Like I kind of approached it with this gung-ho attitude of like, it'll be fine, you know, because she wanted to be back on the tractor like two days after her whole face was smashed and get back in bed. Like I'm going to handle it, but uh, totally couldn't handle it at all. Yeah, we need her back. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you. You always valued her, I'm sure. But but when uh, this happened, you actually get the the practical sense of how much value she has as well. Yeah, yeah. It's just it just can't get done. Like realistically, no matter how many hours you work, or no matter how much attitude you have, <laughs> like you know, wanting to get it done, you just you can't. It's a two person operation, and we've got a lot of just supportive qualities and skills to be able to run a business together and. I think that's obviously important for any couple or any business partners running a farm, and it certainly works for us. And how do you think your ethics of farming, your regenerative regenerative practices, work with your mental health and well-being to get through this sort of struggle that you've had? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really been a huge, it's been, yeah, the, the biggest support has been able to just go out on the farm. To some extent, you know, there's a lot of things on our farms that a larger, more modern farm would find ridiculous. You know, some of the ways of hand weeding and and we're working on our processes to to start to automate some things that aren't as feasible. Some of those little things like just weeding and manually planting, I honestly think a lot of people in the world would probably be able to manage their mental health a little better if they had the chance to put a time aside for some of these things. Definitely at some of my worst points, I'm a, like an audiobook addict. I read and uh, I, I love like old farming memoirs. I'm reading uh, Laura Ingle Wilder's old like House, House on the on Prairie, the Prairie. <laughs> Yeah, man, that is a good series, you know, and I've been listening to that just like weeding. It, it's peaceful, right? Like it's, uh, it's truly kind of satisfying, peaceful labor. I guess it's not just the regenerative practices, but you can't go do that on a modern farm. I guess all the weeds are dead, you know? It's um, uh, like oh, everything's being done by a tractor and you just hop in there and, and stick the GPS on. And, and that is beautiful in a way. Like, don't get me wrong. There's some tasks, like in some of the books I'm reading, that I would not want to do, like going and just manually doing a wheat harvest or any of these things. But um, yeah, there's a lot of it that I think the world would benefit from a little more farm labor, really. <laughs> so what are your hopes for the future now, you've got through what was a rather testing time, but it's a good season. What are your hopes going forward? Yeah, we're just planting like mad. We made the mistake of investing in a bunch of new equipment, like just before all of this happened, taking on more debt. But now it means we got through it and we've got a nice little tractor transplanter and some new weeding equipment. 
So we're looking at just scaling up where we probably did about maybe two hectares like of annual vegetables last season. And we'll be scaling up to like hopefully three or four within the next, you know, over summer. So how has your community responded? You, you said that a lot of people came through to support you and, and that the community has been important to not only your recovery with your wife's injury, but also just with the work on, on the farm as well. But uh, how has the community around you developed in the last year or so since since the accident and, and uh, seeing how you guys have got through that? I guess it's been strange for me because I grew up in Bendigo um, and I was a bit of a rust about, and then I moved away from Bendigo and went to New Zealand for quite a period and then really kind of restarted my life there to some extent, started farming and becoming a responsible adult maybe. And so then I came back to Bendigo. And so now it's been a real strange putting our roots down again. Um, and I think definitely an accident like this, it really, it does bring everyone around you to some extent. You can really, really uh, realize the importance of community and family. And I definitely didn't regret, you know, all the the hours I've spent just, you know, going around and chatting to people and making friends at the markets. Yeah, the time that we've tried to put into the community, even just with social stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm involved in a few committees and certainly try and put a lot of time into the farmer's market. Uh, and all of these things really paid back. So social capital. <laughs> Yeah, we're just so grateful for everyone around us. That's that's what got us through, you know, and in the end, you know, it sounds like we have all this support, but you just don't. Like if you don't have your family, if you don't have your community around you, you know, you don't just tick all the boxes exactly right, uh, then you will be left, you know. What sort of advice do you have for other farmers, regardless of farming system, really? I mean, anyone could have an accident or, or their partner could have an accident, uh, regardless of whether they're a small farm or a large farm. Do you have any advice for, for young farmers who, who might go through something like what you've gone through? Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's two ways about it. And the way I've gone about it is I was heavily trying to develop the side skill um, before this happened. And it was mainly due to COVID and just going, well, you know, this makes things a little unstable when restaurants and businesses are getting closed down all the time. Maybe I should have another skill. So we don't just suddenly meet that day where we can't pay our loans or something. And so I went for web design, which is something I've done um, for businesses and organizations since I was about 15, just as something because I'm a bit of a tech enthusiast. So I think number one is develop a side skill. You know, if, you, if you've got something else aside from farming, it sounds real fatalistic um, because I know we all just want to be full-time farmers and I am usually, but it saved me. Like <laughs> things wouldn't have gone well without it. But otherwise, I guess, make sure you have one skilled employee that can manage your business. Uh, don't, don't have your business rely entirely in you. Like obviously that will be the case for the first couple of years if you're getting into small farming. But after that, you really do need to scale to the stage where you can have at least one skilled employee. Otherwise, if something major happens, then it's very hard to manage if it's all just run on your labour. Did you access any professional support, whether it was for mental health or for running your farm? Yeah, yeah, we did. So we went for the Rural Financial Counselling Service um, and they actually did help us get some support through the government with, oh, it's the Farm Household Allowance, which I recommend any farmer who is struggling goes and checks that out. It's a four-year scheme that really helps uh, farms get their cash flow in order. And um, yeah, I, with the amount of stuff going on against farmers at the moment and the amount of trickle down, uh, you know, with the lockdowns, 
you know, disrupting industries and everything. I highly, highly recommend anyone checks that out. It takes a while, but there could be some support there for farmers for sure. We actually had a market customer um, who had been coming and buying quite a bit of produce from us every week. And when this happened, I actually just reached out to him to ask because he'd recommended a, a particular mattress that was really comfy. I mean, I said, oh, you know, is there anything you could do for Emma as well? And he started seeing both of us and started, he's a remedial masseuse, but also a therapist. And he's helped us kind of work through a lot of this stuff. And it's not something I'd done before. You know, I think it's difficult, especially for farmers to kind of put their trust in, you know, this this system that can break down your mind and tell you what's wrong with you at this stage. But um, there's actually some really great therapists out there. And I, I think it's a, a good decision for anyone who's struggling. Like they, he helped us both through a lot you know, just words of encouragement and generally good advice on managing an extreme situation where you're really just stuck in this survival stage of life and trying to get through. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to see that uh, things seem to be improving. Your wife's on the mend and you've got crops going in. So uh, thanks so much for your time today. It's been great chatting with you. It's been so great to have your company today. If you think that you or someone in your family or community might benefit from support for mental health and wellbeing, please contact Men's Line on 1300 789 978, Lifeline on 13 11 14 or the Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467.